Welcome to another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, today we're going to be talking about choices. In fact, this is part two of a message on choices. Last week, you may remember, we talked about some people that most people had never heard of before. They were called the Rechabites. Yeah, it's not that they were wretched or anything, okay? It's just that they were found, and in, in very interesting, in the middle of the lineage of, of, of Israel, specifically in Judah, in the lineage of Judah. And they aren't Israelites, and they, you know, they, so they weren't you know, from, from the tribe of Judah. Uh, but we found out last week who they were. We'll talk about that maybe a little bit more today. But let me tell you that today... As we're talking about choices, we're going to be talking about Jabez. Jabez. Some of you are familiar with Jabez, some of you aren't, but we'll share some things that perhaps you didn't know about Jabez today. And as I said earlier, life, you know, life is built on choices, by the way. In fact, the Bible says, God said in, in Deuteronomy, choose you. I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, you know. Uh, choose which one you want. Isn't it amazing that God gave us a choice? It amazes me. And, and, and since we are so closely connected to one another, you know, it's not only our choices that affect us, but it's also the choices of others that affect us. And sometimes other people make choices without our consent. And just because it affects us does not mean it's all about us. And just because it affects us does not necessarily mean that we get to decide what other people choose to do. Choices. You know, um, we don't always get to choose what we go through, but we do get to choose how we're going to go through it. And uh, choices. Ultimately, we can only be responsible for the choices we make. We can't really be responsible for the choices other people make. Even though growing up and becoming an adult and becoming responsible sometimes means that we do have some responsibility to fix some things we didn't break in as much as we're able. But we still can't control other people's choices. And, and uh, life can change in an instant. Have you noticed that? Have you noticed how life can change like that? Yeah. And many times we can change our life by a choice, just a choice. We'll talk more about our choices in a moment, but first let's read our text for today, okay? It's going to come out of First Chronicles, the second chapter. And uh, let me set us up with the book of Chronicles. First of all, the book of Chronicles is just that. It's a chronicle. It's a list, okay? It is a, it's you know, in, in, in the book of First Chronicles, it's God listing and chronicling and recording uh, genealogies so that we can stay connected. It's, you know, starts out basically there, you know, with, uh, you know, um, Adam and goes all the way through and gets to the tribe of Judah and David. And then almost the whole rest of the total of First Chronicles is going to be going through the lineage of David, king after king after king of Judah, king of Judah, king of Judah. You know, pretty much so. 
And so uh, once we get into this second chapter, it's 55 verses long. Once we get to the second chapter, he's going to be talking mostly about you know, the lineage of, of, of Judah and you know, David. And, all, all, and so here, right in the smack dab middle, there's some of my country coming out, right in the smack dab middle of God telling us inspired by the Holy Spirit, chronicling the lineage of Judah, there's a verse thrown in. I think it may be, you know, I don't know how many of you, but I, I'm, I read the Bible through every year. And whew, going through some of these books of who begot who and who begot who and who begot who and who begot who, you know, it's like a, it's like two weeks of Bible reading that like last a year, you know? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, but it's there for a reason. So I think God may have just thrown a verse in here and there in the middle of all these begots sometimes just to give us a little reprieve, just to give us something to think about. Maybe, you know, fix the boredom, you know? Uh, I mean, everything has a connection, but you're reading along, da, 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 da. And for the person that is just skim reading, or the person who does not know what you learned last week, this one might not stick out. But let's look at it, okay? It's the last verse of chapter 2, because the first verse of chapter 3 picks up with the sons of David again. Boom, right smack dab in the middle of God talking about the lineage of Judah. 1 Chronicles 2.55 the clans of the scribes who lived at Jabez. The Tirathites, the Shemithites, and the Sukathites. These are the Kenites who came from Hamath, the father of the house of Rechab. Okay, may God bless us. All right, we're dismissed now. No. <laughs> what world could you get out of that? Well... We can get a lot out of that. You know, the Bible says that it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. But it's the glory of kings that we are, kings and priests, to search it out. Now, right here, as I said, in the middle of this lineage, he talks about some scribes who live in a certain town called Jabez. Well, these scribes were Rechabites. Now, last Sunday we discovered that the Rechabites were descendants of Abraham. Y'all remember? And many people who just know a little bit about the Bible and may not have really studied it may imagine that Abraham had only one son, Isaac. But he had more than one son. Sometimes people imagine that he had two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. But he had more children than that. Some people may not realize, unless they really read and get into it, that even though Abraham thought his body was dead at a hundred, and yet he and Sarah had Isaac, when he was about 140 years old, 141 or 42, and Sarah had died, he married another woman named Keturah and had a lot of kids with her. He had kids when, I mean, when he was 160, he was having kids. He thought he was dead. He lived to be 175. And so these, these Rechabites are descendants of Abraham 
but they're not Jews. They're not Israelites. They are not descendants of Jacob. They are descendants of Midian from Abraham's third family. Okay? Sarah, Hagar. You remember God said, I'll make you the father of many nations? From Hagar came Ishmael, and 12 princes were born to him. Nations, many nations. And then Keturah, the third family, the third set of family that Abraham had. Now, I don't, you know, uh, I realize that some of you are going, well, I didn't realize that about Abraham. Well, that's all right there in the Bible, okay? Uh, and so I'm not telling you something uh, 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 new here, okay? So these Rechabites, okay? Uh, they are not Israelites, then what are they doing here uh, in, in the middle of this lineage? Because they are very important and they have received a promise from God. They received a promise from God back when Moses brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. Moses had a brother-in-law whose name was Hobab. And or he's also known as Hamath. And Moses said to his brother-in-law, you help us get through this wilderness. You show us where we can find water, where we can pitch tents. You know the desert. You be our eyes in the desert, and if you will stick with us and go into the land of Canaan with us, into the promised land, then I grant you that all of your descendants will inherit the same way that the children of Israel inherit. You will share in the inheritance. So here we find them in 1 Chronicles, the second chapter, in verse 55, 900 years after Moses made that promise. And they are living in a town, it's really a village, not really a city, it's a community. Because the Rechabites lived in tents. It was a tent city, a tent community, okay? And here the Rechabites, we find them living in, the, in, in a community called Jabaz that is right near Bethlehem. They lived in Judah and they inherited with Judah, and we find them, even though they're not in the lineage of Judah, we find them here written into this as God wanting us to know something here. Okay, He's wanting us to understand uh, that, that uh, these scribes, these, these, these Kenites, these Rechabites, they were scribes. Now, now a scribe... Uh, was a, was, they were among the most educated people in, in, in Israel. Okay? Uh, a scribe was a, an educated and trusted individual in the nation, and they were schooled, and they were entrusted to record and to interpret, to carry on, preserve, and protect the integrity of correspondence. I guess, you know, they weren't really notary publics, 
okay, but the, or historians, but they were charged with, with taking things down, right? They had to be educated, and they protected the integrity of the correspondence of kings and the records, and, 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 and biblical scribes were, were, were charged with, you know, protecting the integrity and interpretation of, 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 of the Word of God. And so they were very, very important, very trusted. They worked closely with the government and religious leaders. And Jesus, by the way, admonished these scribes. Do you remember? Because they were not protecting the integrity of God's Word. They were kind of, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, saying, well, it's okay to do this, but not this. And some of them were saying, don't do this, but they were doing it. In fact, Jesus, in his day, 600 years after this chronicles in Jesus day he really got on to the scribes in fact in the 23rd chapter of Matthew Jesus woed them seven times and when you've been woed by Jesus you've been woed <laughs> woe unto you scribes Pharisees hypocrites seven times in that one chapter of Matthew 23. Jesus evidently imagined that the scribes should have been taking a little better care of preserving the integrity of the Word of God and living as examples. Now, uh, that's where they had gotten to. But back up to where we are, and we know from Jeremiah 35 that we looked at last week that the Rechabites were people of integrity. They were people who were trusted not only by their community and their governments, but also by God. He told Jeremiah, bring him into the house of God. And he showed and used them as an example to teach the children of Israel a very important lesson, specifically the lesson uh, of how valuable it is to obey your heavenly Father, which the Rechabites were examples of. Okay? Now, uh, they were known for their integrity. Uh, again, 1 Chronicles 2, verse 55. First part says, The clans also of the scribes who lived in Jabez. And there were these people. Now, now, the word Jabez is a Hebrew word which means pain, sorrow, grief. Okay? And it's only found in three verses in the whole Bible. In this one verse, in 2 Chronicles, excuse me, 1 Chronicles, the second chapter, verse 55, uh, it, is, it is used in reference to a town, to a community, to a village, if you were, the village of Jabez. In the other two verses, it's used in reference to the name of a man whom this village is named after. In fact, this town of Jabez is known, uh, uh, you know, uh, located near the town of Bethlehem, this community, and, and, and it is known for basically two things in history. One, during that period of history, is that it raised up and educated scribes. 
It provided a lot of scribes. Why? Because of the people of integrity and the, and, 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 and the people of, you know, of learning that lived there. These Retrobites lived in there. there. They, had, they had gathered there, and they were known for having you know, a, 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 you know, educated themselves and poured a lot into their responsibility to, to protect and preserve the integrity of these writings uh, as, as, as well as biblical writings, not just the writings of the kings. It's also known for its founding father, Jabez. And this morning we're going to further discuss the impact of the choices that we make in life by looking at this man, Jabez. Now remember, life is built on choices. And remember, we don't always get to choose what we go through, but we do get to choose how we go through it. Okay? You don't always get to choose what you go through. And sometimes your life is affected by the choices other people make without your consent. Well, our Bible story today takes place during the time of the judges, during that first period the judges ruled basically and judged Israel for about 400 years after Joshua died and before the first king, King Saul, and then David. That space of 400 years, God raised up people to deliver the children of Israel because they would get back into sin and they would need to be delivered again and they would get back into sin when that one died and they would need to be delivered and they'd be delivered about 40 years and then when that one person died they'd go back into sin when leaders uh, stopped leading them in the right way they would go back into sin this happened over and over and over well during the first early period about uh, you know 1375 to 1350 BC somewhere in that period uh, uh, we are going to pick up uh, and, and look at the circumstances surrounding the events of First Chronicles, the fourth chapter. Uh, it's very important, seeing that once again the Holy Spirit has interrupted a lineage in First Chronicles 4 to insert a man that we literally know nothing about. He's just boom, put there except what we're told here and that one reference to him about a community of scribes being named after him in first chronicles chapter 4 you know I love to find these nuggets of truth as you're reading through all these who you know who's the father of who the father of who the father of who and you get here to this one story uh, have you ever been bored reading the Bible I have been you ever been bored I have been with all the, sometimes when they start talking in Leviticus about a hen of oil and putting a, you know, a, and, a, and, a, and a measure of flour on all these offerings. I mean, I read it and I try my best to get something out of it because I know something's there. Okay? And so I love it whenever I'm reading through something that is just repetitious and on and on and on. And I get to something and it pops off the page. There's something here. Oh, there's some meat on this bone. I like it, you know. Well, such is Jabez. You're reading through here in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, and you get to verse 9, and listen to what it says. Jabez is just throwing. We don't know his lineage. He's just, boom, thrown right in there. 
Now, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. Remember? His name means pain, sorrow, grief. His mama named him pain. His, name, his mama named him sorrow. Pain because of the sorrow. Grief because of the sorrow that, of, of, of your birth. I'm sorry you were born. I'm grieved with your birth. You are just a memory of pain. Wow. You know, children don't choose into what circumstances they are born. They don't get to choose their name either, but they don't get to choose their circumstances. And uh, they do, however, every child, however, does get the choice of what they're going to make out of themselves. The fact that we are given little or no real background on the situation of the birth of Jabez leads Bible scholars through generations to surmise and try to imagine what his circumstance or the situation of his birth was. You know, it, it's intrigued Bible scholars for 3,000 years. Um, some imagine that Jabez um, was so well known by the people in that area that no one expected we wouldn't know his circumstances. So they just wrote his name thinking that Jabez just explained it all. I mean, we know him and we know all about him and we know what happened to him. But, you know, we don't have the privilege of being back there to know that. Uh, others, uh, other uh, Bible scholars imagine that, you know, uh, his birth caused physical, mental, social, or even spiritual pain to his mother, to his family. Maybe, you know, there was extreme pain in delivery. Perhaps, you know, she even died as a result of his delivery and her parting words. You know, uh, there have been all kinds of conjectures, all kinds of, you know, uh, uh, surmisings about what happened. Maybe, maybe he was born out of wedlock and, 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 and she was socially in pain. Maybe her, her community had ostracized her. We don't know. And all kinds of people have thought all kinds of things that, 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 that perhaps, you know, uh, 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 you know, uh, he was just, you know, um, this horrible baby. <laughs> you know, we don't know. Still others believe that God intended right here to leave an empty space in what we know. Maybe God intended that we would be reading this generations later and not know the specifics of what his mother was talking about so that it would be a broader application to our lives so that without respect to what kind of pain we may have in our lives, what kind of sorrow others may have dealt us or put on us or spoken about us, whether we are, are, are socially you know, in pain or sorrow, grief, or spiritually in pain or, or physically or mentally, emotionally, whatever the situation might be in our lives, we might see in his life a connection. We can't know any of these things for certain. But what we do know for certain is that his mama 
called him pain. And we do know that other people who met him throughout his life called him pain. And we do know that every time his name was called, he was reminded of what his mama felt about him at his birth. What his mama associated with him at his birth. We know that, that, that for the rest of his life, if he did not do something about this, it was going to drive him into perhaps a deep, dark hole of despair and, 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 and the feeling of worthlessness and the feeling of being alone, having to be reminded time after time after time. Can you imagine him introducing himself? Hello, I am pain. I am sorrow. I am grief. Knowing as he introduced himself to a new person, that they immediately were going to associate that his mother believed this about him. Wow. Whatever it was that caused her to do this was beyond his control. It was not his choice, but yet he was reminded of it constantly. But... That's not the end of the story. Let's read the next verse. Verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel. Woo! Boy, I'm going to get Pentecostal here and start taking off and running around this church. <laughs> wow. Somebody shout glory. Jabez, now we read he was more honorable. Well, you know, that word can mean that he was honorable or it can also mean that he was honored. Even though his mama named him pain. That yet, before it was all over, he was occupied a position of honor and respect. He was more honorable in the eyes of others is the implication. And here, uh, why? Because he made a decision. It's a decision in the midst of who he was and, and, and where life had relegated him. And in the midst of his limited situation, in the midst, in the middle of the box that his mama put him in. He called on the name of the God of Israel saying this was his prayer many of you may know it you may have it written down on a card somewhere oh that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that i may not cause pain so god granted him what he requested wow Jabez called on the God of Israel. Woo. Hey, listen, let me tell you the first thing we all need to do whenever we find ourselves in a place where we could be in despair, where we could be depressed, where we could be, you know, um, you know limited by what other people think about us or by what other people have done to us without our consent. When we find ourselves ill-affected by the choices that other people have made or even by our own choices, the first remedy to any condition is to call upon the name of the Lord God of Israel. 
Let's review this prayer of Jabez, okay? He said this, Oh, oh God, that you would bless me indeed. Now, it might have been evident to Jabez that he could not depend on anyone else to help him. We don't know what other people thought about. It may have been evident to him that, that, there, that, that there was no one else going to bless him. Nobody else to bless. There's no one else that could help him out of this situation. There was no one that was going to give him a fair chance in life. However, he knew someone who could reach beyond his circumstances, beyond the situation he was placed in, beyond the situation he was born into, beyond the situation that had been out of his control. He knew someone, Jabez, must have believed that even his mother's choices in his life were subject to God. My goodness, when God can override a mother's choice... You know, because <laughs> moms are pretty formidable, aren't they? Jabez must have believed that God could do something about this. And so he asked God, instead of, you know, petitioning others, please don't think this about me, please don't think this about me, he knew that words to others might be empty. He knew petitions to others might not, might not accomplish what he wanted. And perhaps he had already gone around trying to change people's minds about him. Maybe he'd already done all that he could. Maybe he'd already tried to explain himself. Maybe he'd already tried to defend himself. Maybe he'd already tried to prove himself. But he finally called upon the name of of the God of Israel, and he said, Would you bless me? Oh God, oh God, he said, that you would bless me indeed. Evidently, bless me. Bless me openly. Bless me so that others might see. Give me a true blessing. Then he said, and enlarge my territory. Make me bigger than I am today. Make me bigger than I appear to others. Enlarge my territory. Give me greater influence. Enlarge my borders. Perhaps, you know, the barriers and the boundaries that I have been experiencing in life, would you help me crash through those? Would you help me overcome the hurdles? Would you help me get beyond the problems, the fences, the barriers, the boundaries, the problems? Would you help me take new territory? Would you help me stop this and start that? Would you help me to change so that I can advance in life? What is it that limits you? What territory do you need? j needed some new territory, needed some fresh ground. Perhaps we don't know, but I can imagine that his life was not a perfect life, so I can imagine he made a mistake or two in life. I can imagine that he made a bad choice or two, and I can imagine when he made a bad choice, people would say about him, yeah, that's what we expected. Don't you imagine people were watching him? Do people watch you? Is there anybody waiting for you to make your next mistake? Enlarge my territory. Help me to take greater ground. 
Get me out of this hole, this predicament. Take the limits off of me that I have placed on myself or that others have placed on me. Help me to do the things I have not yet done. Enlarge my territory. And then he said, and that your hand would be with me. I love this. I love this. It's, what, it's, it's basically what Moses had said whenever God said, you know, go down and get the children of Israel. And he brought them out of bondage. And when God got them out, you know, through Moses into the wilderness, the children of Israel were kind of, you know, rebelling here and there. And so God met with Moses and said, now I brought you up out of Egypt with a mighty hand. I'm going to send you into the land of Canaan, but I'm not going to go with you because I don't like these people. (laughs) He said, I'm going to send my angel with you and take you in. And Moses said, oh, no, God. Oh, no. No, I, I, I don't have anything against angels, okay? I'm paraphrasing what Moses said. But Moses said, oh, no, God. Listen. If you don't go with me, don't send me. That's what Jabez is saying. He's saying, God, would you bless me? God, would you enlarge my territory? And I'm not just wanting you to do that for me and leave me in new territory. I'm wanting you to be with me. I'm wanting you, Lord, to go with me, to stay with me on this journey. I'm not just wanting a blessing from you. I'm wanting you. I'm wanting you in my life. I'm wanting you, Lord, that your hand would be with me. Wow. Don't just bless me and forget me. Be with me. And then he continued the prayer, and that you would keep me from evil. You know, there's... There's this thought connected with this, keep me from evil. There's this thought that I read written by a lot smarter people than I am, you know, more studied than me. And uh, it seems as though that, that this, and, 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 you know, keep me from evil is, is an understanding here, is a faith. That Jabez had faith that God was stronger than evil and that God had the power to restrain evil and restrain harm. That God could keep evil and harm at bay and away from you. You know, Jesus in the model prayer, and lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. You know, Keep it away from me. Keep me and evil separated. Put a margin between us, God. You know, everybody needs to live life with a margin. A little margin between you and your, you know, and the sin that does so easily beset you. You know, it could be, I don't know, that proverbial chocolate cake. Okay. If that chocolate cake is something that you have committed and prayed that you would no longer be subject to, then you may want to create a little buffer, a little margin, and ask God for a little margin. And a part of your responsibility, if you have decided to stop doing something, is to stop buying it. There, that's, that's good enough. Huh? 
If you have decided to stop watching things, then stop going to that channel. And if you had to, you know, uh, get rid of that TV, that computer. Okay? This is good stuff. You see, we bear a little responsibility in creating some margins. And that God, that you would keep me from evil, well, that's going to be dealt with by God leading us in the path of righteousness and us following him. Well, then the last part of his prayer was, so that I may not cause harm. The implication here is that I may not cause myself harm. You know, it's not just the thought that I may not cause harm to others here, but, the, but in several other translations read, uh, read that way, you know, so that I don't cause myself any pain because I know what I'm capable of. I know, I know what my name is and I know, uh, you know, that I've been called this. I know this has been confessed over my life. I know over and over and over and over and over. I've heard it all my life. I know what I am capable of. Lord, help me. Be with me, Lord. Keep me away from evil because I know what I'm capable of and don't let me cause myself pain or anybody else either. What a good prayer, huh? You know, I think we could benefit from praying this prayer. I don't want to fulfill the expectations of some people that they had of me whenever I was growing up. You know, I did some want some interesting things but i turned to the lord god of israel i turned to the son the savior the messiah and many people imagine that's exactly what chronicles is doing is setting up the lineage so that there would be a proof text for the messiah who came through judah and came through david the son of david and and god was doing that and all of these tenets are important to to to, to find in christ And the Bible says at the end of that verse, and the Lord granted his request so that he ended up being more honored than his brothers. He ended up, you know, you know even though his brothers, you know, one of them might have been named, uh, you know, uh, Happy Boy. I don't know. One of them, <laughs> one of them might have been named, uh, you know, Joyful. You know, one of them might have been named Wonderful. But at the end of the day, pain had more honor than those people around him and close to him that did not have the same burden he had. Didn't have to climb out of that hole. Didn't have to get over that shame. Didn't have to deal with those memories and, and those expectations he became more honored and more honorable than those people who really didn't have the same number of problems that he had. Why? Because of his choice. He chose. Life is built on choices. And we may not get to choose what we go through, but we do get to choose how we go through it. You know, and... My takeaway this morning, I have choices. I have a choice today. I have a choice what I'm going to do with my life. Despite where I find myself, despite where someone else thinks I am or thinks, you know, who I am, despite what others might even say, I have a choice. And I am going to choose 
to call upon the name of God. It's my choice to move beyond my past. It's my choice to move beyond my pain. It's my choice to move beyond the place that others see me. How about you? What is your choice? Place your past, your pain, and your future in the hands of God. You can do this, okay? You can do this. And the best choice you'll ever make is to make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Savior of your life. There's no better. Call upon Him right now. Call upon Him. Call upon Him. Ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to save your soul. The Lord will grant your request. Thanks again for joining us for another dynamic message from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to all of our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.